Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of the Boldly Pursuing Podcast. I am your host, Caitlin Henderson. Here on this podcast, we have conversations with friends who are stepping out and doing the things that God has called them to do in order to hopefully encourage you to do the very same. On today's podcast episode, we have my friend Elizabeth Woodson talking about her book, Embrace Your Life, How to Find Joy When the Life You Have Is Not the Life You Hoped For. I know I say a lot of episodes are my favorite episodes, but but this one ranks way up there. I'm telling you guys, you are going to love this episode. We talk about like so many good things about that gap between where we thought our lives should be and where they actually are and how we reconcile our pain and our disappointment and our unmet expectations with a good God and our need for control. And just, there was so many good things. And Elizabeth is incredibly wise. I just, I am so excited for you guys to hear this conversation. So without further ado, here is my chat with Elizabeth. Elizabeth, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Caitlin. It's so good to be here. I am so glad to have you. To get us started today, would you kind of introduce yourself for maybe our listeners who don't know you yet? Yeah. Uh, My name is Elizabeth Woodson. I am a Bible teacher and author uh, whose heartbeat is discipleship and theological education in the local church. Uh, And so I'm a graduate of Dallas Theological Seminary with a master's in Christian education. I have about 10 plus years in church ministry experience, both in staff and lay positions. And I just really love helping people connect their faith to their everyday life. So how can we build these deep wells for what it means to be a Christian? But then how does that apply on an ordinary Tuesday when you got to pick your kids up from the school line or you're washing dishes and making dinner? Um, And I believe that those connections are there, but I love helping people make them. I love that. So I feel like discipleship, I mean, so I kind of have like an online, I don't know if you'd call it ministry, but maybe that is so much easier than Tuesday afternoon discipleship. Like, I'm like, am I the only one that's like, I can do it online to thousands of strangers, but (laughs) the person in the grocery store next to me, I'm like, um, what are words? I don't know. I don't know what to say to you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's like, you know, we can turn on our cameras or our our mics and, you know, record something for someone, but it is, it can be a little awkward sometimes or just intimidating. Uh, The words don't always flow as easily, uh, but it is, I think that the importance of both, that both are needed in uh, today's world. Yeah. So you had a new book come out called Mm -hmm. Embrace Your Life. We're going to be talking about that today. So I love asking authors, why this book? Why now? Yeah. You know, in ministry, I I love talking to people. I love hearing people's stories. You know, everybody's got a story of, you know, how they came into the Lord or where they're at in their particular journey. And just being and being present with people is one of the things I enjoyed about um, my ministry jobs. And so when it comes to seasons of disappointment, I think everybody's had one. And there are two different groups of people that I would talk to. And I would talk to people who were thriving, right? They were going through financial difficulties, struggles in their marriage, um, health issues, you know, or it could be something really simple. Like I moved to a new town, Elizabeth, I don't really have any friends and I want to go out with someone on Friday night and I don't know anybody to do that with. Um, but they were really trying to fight to live. And then there was another group of people that I would uh, listen to and do life with who were stuck, 
that they were just replaying the tape. And I believe in a journey of healing. So I do not want to be known as a person who says you got to get over it really quickly. No, everybody's journey, they have a, you have a different pace. Go at your pace. But in your journey, there will come a point in time where you, I believe the Lord gives us an opportunity to, to say, okay, you, we've got to move on. Um, and not everybody takes that open door. And they just replay it over and over for years. And that really pains me because I believe we have so much potential and staying stuck in our disappointment really strips us of that potential of of realizing that. And so I wanted to write a a book to help someone to move forward, like to help someone process the pain, to be honest about it, have a friend for the journey. I tried to write in a way where people did not feel like I was on the outside of what they were going through, but like Elizabeth is here, she's with me, I'm sharing my stories, I'm sharing my pain to show you that there's hope, even in the disappointment. And I wanted a book for any season. So seasons change, disappointment changes, but what can we do in every season to help move forward and live the life God has called for us for live? And, you know, I wrote it during the pandemic. And I think we all had a little <laughs> bit of extra disappointment um, in a variety of different ways. But I really wanted to help people uh, that I knew needed some guidance and really share from my own journey of how did, how did God bring me out of some seasons of disappointment. Yeah. Well, I feel like you did a great job of it because when I was reading, I felt like I was talking to a friend. I definitely didn't feel like it was someone (laughs) outside. So, all right. I feel like so many of us, so often we like have this eye-opening moment of how did my life become this? Or I am not where I thought I would be right now. And you call it the gap, which I was like, oh yeah, the gap of where we thought our lives would be and where we actually are. And all of us probably have different size gaps. You know, some people probably have really big gaps. So how do we reconcile that? Like, where do, like, where do we even start? Yeah, I, I think a, a really powerful place for people to start is to acknowledge that you have a gap. <laughs> you know, because sometimes we can, um, we can minimize it or we can um, try to, and I, and I talk about this in the book, like we try to numb it away. We try to do all these things because it's just painful. Like it's this, it's this sensation that you can't get rid of. It's the tears that well up. It's a disappointment. And to acknowledge that I wanted to, at this age, I wanted to be married and I'm not. I wanted to have kids and I'm not. I wanted better health than I'm not. I wanted a better marriage. Like I wanted, I don't want what I have, God. And to not just acknowledge it and walk away, but to really grieve it. Uh, because I believe that the things that we experience is a loss and and it's a loss for you and that you would honor your pain by giving it the time it's due to really grieve before the Lord. Lord, this isn't what I wanted. I think of Psalm 13 um, with the words of David, how long, oh Lord? Like how mm-hmm. long? I feel abandoned. Like, like the, this isn't, I've prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed for you to fix this and you've yet to answer my prayers in the affirmative. And so how do we give space for our pain and honor our pain by grieving what is in that gap. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a life ahead. There's beauty ahead. But before we can get to the beauty, we have to really acknowledge our pain in healthy ways. Um, And we are inundated with so many unhealthy ways to deal with our pain. Uh, But I believe in, in, to me, that is lament, this process of grieving, sorrowful prayer that really brings us to a place of faith with the Lord. So there's, yes, that's so good. There's a few things that I want to pull out. So the first is lamenting. And why is it important? Because I feel like today, no one talks about that. Like, we, you don't just hear people talking about this anymore. So uh, let's talk about that. Yeah, lament, uh, for, for folks who you're like, that's a new word. I haven't heard that before. Uh, it is a prayer of sorrow and grief. 
Uh, if you look in the book of Psalms, about 40% of the Psalms are Psalms of lament. And that should tell us that uh, the people, God's people, the nation of Israel, uh, who we get glimmers of what it looks like to be God's people through the Old Testament are showing us what happens when life doesn't go the way you want it to. And if you know anything about their story, they had a lot of instances when life did not go uh, the way they wanted it to. And so lament really is this process of us, uh, and it's this, uh, I give it this three-step process of how do we be honest about what we're going through? How do we ask God for what we need? And then how do we reaffirm trust in Him? Um, and again, I like to point to Psalm 13 because it's six verses and each two of those verses kind of move through that structure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the structure is not going to hit evenly in every Psalm, but it gives us categories by which to pray this prayer before the Lord. And you can pray, some of us love to journal. Um, you know, you can pray out loud, you can be in your car, talking at the top of your lungs, but I, I, it gives us freedom to be honest with our emotions. Um, I think in our Western American culture that there is this love for emotions and to to focus on what we feel. Um, but I don't know if we always do it in a way that gives gives uh, time for the hard feelings, the ones that make people make us uncomfortable, that make other people uncomfortable. You know, if anybody, I've had people very close to me um, pass away, and people say the craziest things to you when that happens. Yes. Like we just, like, it's just like. <laughs> Um, sis, I love you. Don't say this to nobody else. Yes. Oh, <laughs> listen. <laughs> yes. It's like we just we just don't know what to do with the awkward, weird, heavy, not an easy answer. I'm not going to be able to fix this tomorrow. And lament gives us a place for that. And really, it's how can I be present with God in my pain? And when we are praying, the Holy Spirit is present there with us. And so it is not this static prayer. It's very dynamic, um, where, where we are meeting the Lord in our place of pain. But to me, lament, we, most of our worship songs are upbeat. Like if we mm-hmm. have maybe like a, like a line of, it might be a sad part and then we'll get to the bridge and the hands are up. <laughs> the bridge the, is always, <laughs> always the best. It's like the drums go and then we're, we're, we're back into the happy praise part. And, and, and there, I love music. So I love the bridge. I'm like, oh, he's coming. Yeah. Um, but it is, Lament makes us sit in it and we don't like sitting in stuff. Um, and it is powerful. It is beautiful. And it's what the people of God have done for generations. And when I was thinking about how do people how do people push through, I was like, well, how have people pushed through before? And that's what brought me to lament, really, in the first place. Mm. So talking about like our pain and sitting with God in it, I know some people struggle. How do we reconcile our pain or even our disappointment or when expectations are not met? Mm-hmm. How do we reconcile that with God still being good and sovereign? Yeah, we live in a broken world. Um, and so much of the pain that we experience is a result of that brokenness. It's the result of sin. It's the result of, you know, sickness in our body, you know, I think is the is evidence of the brokenness in the world. And so God in his grace is, has done a work of redemption and restoration through Jesus is working to redeem. But part of our expectations about life need to include that brokenness will come our way because of the effects of sin on our world. Um, and so it's these this tensions that we hold of a hope for goodness, a hope for 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 uh, blessing to come my way, but I also recognize there are going to be some hard things that I carry simply because I'm human in this world. 
Now, that does not negate the fact that our God is good and the fact that he is sovereign. Um, His goodness and his sovereignty is in that we're still here, able to live in a broken world. He has done a work of redemption through Jesus to restore that. um, And we will see that restoration in its fulfillment when Christ returns. And so I think sometimes we can project onto God the brokenness we see here and recognize that brokenness isn't a result of who God is, it's a result of the sin that humanity sits in. Um, And I think to see what God is doing in the midst of that, to care for us, to be present with us, to get us through it, uh, or point back to his goodness. But that also is something that I I like to tell um, the friends that I walk with, that you have like this bucket next to you, you're in a hard season, and the visual image I give is like you're sitting in a chair and there's like this bucket next to you of all of God's characteristics. Like God's good, God's sovereign, God's gracious, God's merciful. And when you're ready, just dip down and pull it up because uh, it takes time oh. uh, to say that I know God is good, but I just, it's going to take me some time to get around that because what I'm carrying is so heavy. So I, I want to give people grace in that, but also God's goodness is not negated by the sin in the world. The fact that he is working to overcome the sin points back to his goodness and his sovereignty. Mm-hmm. That's good. I like the bucket analogy. <laughs> Um, Okay, so I want to go back to something you said earlier about how we fall into kind of like um, masking our feelings. And because you said something in here about like, you know, we will scroll social media for hours, which guilty. And then, (laughs) but I have never had this thought where you say that's like just trying to scroll social media less isn't going to fix the problem. Because that's what I constantly tell myself. I'm like, you know what, tomorrow I'm going to get off Instagram a little more and that'll fix all my problems. And then, you know, that doesn't work. So you talk about getting to the root of it. So will you talk about what that means and maybe how we start to dig to the root? Yeah, like we have all these habits. I always use my example is Bluebell ice cream. I think it's Texas's gift to the world. Uh, And Rocky Road ice cream is not going to fix my problems, Caitlin. It just isn't. It's going to make me happy for a couple moments. Um, And then my problems are still going to be there. Mm -hmm. And so really it is, Part of the reason our gap exists is because of expectations we have about life. And so how do I, with the Lord, uncover, this is what I expected my life to be like. This is why I expected that. Um, And how do I reckon with that? Um, Because if I never allow, because what the scrolling or comfort or ways in which we act out in relationship with other people. I talk about control, approval, Mm -hmm. power. Uh, All of that is us trying to run from it. And we have to look at face on and say the root is in my expectations. God, can you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, help examine that and show me that 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 is good, but that's not an appropriate expectation for life. Um, Again, hard things will come our way. God doesn't promise us that life will be easy. He promised us that he will be with us through the life we've been given. Um, but it is, what is all of this rooted in? And then how can I process that with the Lord? And you got to stop numbing the pain in order to get to the root, which is hard for us because it brings up the feelings we so desperately want to get rid of. Yeah, we don't like to feel uncomfortable. Not at all. <laughs> it's uncomfortable <laughs> to feel uncomfortable. <laughs> and we talking about like all these distractions and everything, you know, with social media and just everything, there's so many voices coming at us every yep. day, all day. Yep. And you said something I love about, are we being influenced like by all of those things more than we are by God? And I think, how do we distinguish that? And if we're like, yeah, I, I'm being influenced by 
all these yeah. other people. How do we start to maybe navigate away from that? Yeah, you know, it is, I think it's taking an assessment of, and what, we all have a chosen response to things in our life. And so if you were to take an assessment of, okay, how am I responding to this? How am I handling this? And why do I feel okay in doing that? Well, maybe it's because I read this post that the social media influencer said that, hey, you should be able to just, you know, live your best life. Do you, um, you know, things that are outside really of what it means for us to be Christians in this world. Um, a lot of stuff we read is self, self-help self mm-hmm. stuff. It is that I can pull myself up on my own and uh, to do what feels good to me, um, even though the consequences of that or the actions, again, are outside of what Christ has for us. And so it is, is the loudest voice I'm listening to um, the people I follow online or is it scripture? And sometimes it can be hard because we don't know, and I say this with grace, but we don't know scripture. Um, And so the words of God, the Holy Spirit does a, a wonderful work in our life and he can bring back truth that we have heard to the forefront of our minds. But I also believe scripture calls us to love God with our minds. And so part of it is how much time am I spending in my word? How much time am I spending praying? How much time am I spending um, being enriched by Christians uh, who are more mature than me, whether it's in a conversation or it's in a book or it's a sermon? And how much time am I consuming the words of people on social media? Because really our consumption patterns point directly to our biggest influences in the decisions we make and how we view life. Mm, Yeah. I hope you are loving this conversation so far, friends. Instead of an ad today, we have a fun giveaway to tell you about. So this podcast has climbed to the top 1% of all podcasts globally, which is just absolutely mind-blowing. And I am so, so grateful and just blown away. But I also believe we are just getting started. So podcast reviews are one of the best ways that new friends are able to find the podcast, and that is where this giveaway comes in. So here is the deal. We are giving away one of our popular Go Boldly, either t-shirts or sweatshirt, you get to choose, and a 30-minute coaching call with me. So many of you have dreams or businesses that you want to pursue, but you just feel stuck or you need a little bit of guidance. So the winner gets to brainstorm with me for 30 minutes so we can get you headed on the right track or help you get unstuck and clarify what it is that you are wanting to do. The only thing you have to do is leave us an Apple Podcasts five-star rating and review. This literally takes like 30 seconds and screenshot it and email it to info at caitlinahenderson.com. That's it. If you're a Spotify listener, you just give us a five-star rating and screenshot that and email it in. We will uh, post the email address in the show notes too so that you can just copy and paste. But that is it. If We would just love if you would help us get the word out there. And I cannot wait to keep going on this journey with you, friends. Now back to our conversation. So when we're talking about walking through our pain, you talk about processing it with clarity and conviction. Mm-hmm. How does that tie in? Or I guess maybe explain that a little more. Yeah, processing it with clarity and conviction. Uh, again, you know, I think it's, it's that we be honest with ourselves. You know, for one, and I use the example of singleness. Uh, I think a lot of women can relate to that. It is not the point of the book, um, but it's an example that I think is very relatable and the truth, clarity and conviction to me is uh, we can, women can have this expectation that, oh, by the certain age, I'm going to be married. 
Like that's if if you are in church culture for any amount of time, that just is kind of what you're fed. Is marriage is a guarantee for you? You do these things, you check these boxes, but then you get to a certain age, and you're just like, it hasn't come yet. Like what do I do? Or or, or children, right? Mm-hmm. So if it's not marriage, it's children. Um, and clarity and conviction about and does this line up with what God's called me to be and do in the world? Where did I get these uh, expectations and guarantees from? Um, and what should the weight of my faith be grounded in? Um, and the weight of my faith is grounded in this idea of God, who God is, and who he has called us to be and do in his world. And so it's a much bigger vision. And so sometimes how do I let go of the expectations I have and take hold of something that is greater and bigger um, and has space for me to process my pain through? But it is this adjustment of honesty uh, that says, Lord, you've called me for more even in this place. And so how do I assess my expectations, but then how do I realign my eyes to see the goodness and mission and calling that you've given me, no matter how big or large my space of influence? And so again, it's this, this I think healing requires us to be honest with ourselves. Um, and sometimes we don't want to tell the truth about the things we're holding on to, but in order to find healing, we have to do that to find clarity. But to me, that conviction comes in. Okay, God, I surrender my life to you. What does it mean for me to be yours? And what is the life you have for me, even with this disappointment that I'm living with? Mm-hmm. I think it's so, I don't know, funny, interesting that it's so hard for us to open up and be vulnerable, even with God, when it's like, yeah. we know He already knows. Like, right. <laughs> like right. the mental gymnastics we go through to like not yeah. tell God something, and then it's yeah. like, wait a minute, you know, He already knows. But talking about like our disappointments, what would you say to the person, okay, I'm someone that I can, I want answers. I can yeah. talk something to death. <laughs> like if there's like conflict between my husband and I, I'm like, we are going to talk about this for the next eight hours until you agree with me. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, But I mean, like, I just, I, I'm a verbal processor yeah, and I like answers. So like, what would you say to the person that their pain or expectations, they don't get the answers for? Like, because for me, it's hard to move past a pain when I don't have the answers. In the moments when we don't have the truth we're looking for, right, or we don't have the clarity we're looking for, we have to focus our eyes on what we know to be true, right? It's like, okay, I need some type of compass. I need some type of direction. And if it's not coming for why did this happen to me, God? Why didn't you bring me this? Bring this to me? Um, confusion, again, lack of clarity. It is, oh, what do I know to be true? And what, I, what is always true, what is always steady is the character of God, right? This is when you reach down into that bucket and pull up truth about even though it seems like there is nothing good in my life, I know that's not true because I'm loved by God that's good. Even though it seems as if life is out of control and nothing's ever going to come through, that God's never going to answer my prayers, that I know my God is faithful. And so his faithfulness tells me that I just need to keep on walking and trusting that a God who's greater than I am knows and so it is, it's this, it is this surrender we have to God's sovereignty. And it's what it means for us to be created beings. That, that for me to have life with Christ means that I'm like, I follow you. You might give me some clarity sometimes, mm-hmm. and you might not give me clarity sometimes, but I trust that where you're leading me is a place for my good and for your glory. And again, I don't say that lightly because there are some questions that are really significant that we don't get answers for on our timetable or don't come for much longer than we would like. And it is in those moments we find clarity 
and the the one person who never changes, and that's our God. And as believers, that is one of the core elements of our relationship with God. Uh, that in His faithfulness, His sovereignty, His goodness. I mean, we can go the myriad of God's character, and then His mission for this world. I think sometimes you can have, like, what am I supposed to do? Like, I don't know where to go. I don't know how to handle this. I don't know how to get up in the morning, right? It just, the confusion weighs on you. It's like this lack of despair, you know, just seems to, like, throw a blanket over you and you just can't move. (laughs) And it is, no. God has called me to do something and be something in this world that me showing up matters, um, and so when our temptation is to keep our feet in the bed <laughs> rather than mm. get out the bed, it is me showing up for my kids matters. Me showing up for my husband matters. Me showing up for my neighbors, showing up for the girl at Target who's always in that checkout line where Target's taking all my money. <laughs> that it matters because me showing up in God's world for the flourishing of humanity matters. Um, and we don't get the option of checking out on that. Um, and, and again, I want to... I want to repeat myself because I want people to clearly know that there's grace in understanding the seasons of disappointment, but it is the knowledge of who God's character and who he's called us to be and do in this world that fuels us in seasons of uncertainty. Because like when I can't, I can't, you can't, if it's not coming at some point, we have to just trust and keep walking and the certainty of those other elements, again, God's character, our identity and purpose, give us stability when everything else feels unstable. Mm-hmm. I things are like clicking in my brain right now with the whole wanting answers and what we're talking about. And I'm like, oh, does that tie in with the what we were talking about of the need for control? And then I'm like, oh shoot, look at all these things clicking. I'm like, <laughs> I'm exposing myself. <laughs> like, wait a minute. <laughs> I just like walked myself right into this little like wait a minute, everyone, thousands of people are listening to me process. They're like, oh, <laughs> here we are. But no, that's so good. I, I love that. And I love that you talk about all those things, about the control and the anger yeah. and the fear. Like those are, I mean, they're powerful ones. And it's it's hard to realize that about yourself too. I think, yeah. you know, that's kind of a hard thing to walk into. But I also want to ask you, kind of veering off, you use the story of Joshua as a guide throughout the book. So I'm curious why that story. I think partly because Joshua just doesn't get a lot of play. Like nobody talks about Joshua. (laughs) And partly because he doesn't have like these sensational stories (laughs) that I think we all love to like, oh, that was crazy. Right. Um, But Joshua is, he shows up in Exodus. He was born in slavery and gets delivered by God through the hand of Moses and becomes Moses' right-hand guy. And he serves Moses for 40 years. And then at this moment in their history, about 2 million people are about to cross over into the land of Canaan. Like, it's epic, like super epic. Moses dies. Um, And the words that God says to Joshua in the first nine verses of Joshua chapter one always stood out to me because he didn't, like Joshua kept moving forward. Like you don't see this point. I mean, you do see Joshua and nation of Israel lament and grieve Moses' death. They give time and honor to Moses' life and what he meant. But he keeps going. Like he has, he has a huge calling on his life. And what God tells him right before he kind of continues to lead Israel by himself. And it like uh, verses that are um, popular for some, like be strong and courageous. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm with you wherever you go. But it is... What God said to Joshua the moment 
of time we find him in is like he kept going and he his story ends well because he's faithful to the Lord, even though what he walks through is not easy. Like Joshua does a lot of fighting. Um, and so what God's calling him to isn't an easier season, but reminders of what he needs to be and do in the season. And so that's probably, that's to me, Joshua, I was like, how did he do this? Mm-hmm. Um, and digging into those verses gave me a lot of uh, inspiration for the book. Okay, that just reminded me of something that I read in here in the book, and I'm probably not going to be able to find it, of course. But you said something about, like, we almost think, like, our goal is the good life, and we just try to hurry and get away from the, you know, from the discomfort. And really, yeah. like, that's, do you know which part I'm talking about? Will you talk about it, that for just a it second? It might be, it might be, is it towards the end? Yeah. Yeah. I use this, uh, we try to, life is a mix of costs and bene- costs and benefits, um, and so we just try to, I think in life, we're trying to find the good life. We're trying to find all the benefits and minimize the costs. Uh, and what happens is we don't realize there are costs and benefits to every season. And so instead of trying to minimize the costs, we just to choose the right ones because we don't know how to navigate them. We don't know how to deal with them. When they pop up again, oh, it's back here. <laughs> uh, and we're just trying to find the good life isn't a life devoid of pain is a life when we handle our pain with the Lord. Mm. But that's not the message that we're given. Like, that's a message from a, a, a biblical worldview. That's a message for Jesus people. The world tells us the good life is a life with no pain. The good life is a life of ease. The good life is a life with no suffering. Um, the good life is a life when you have everything you want, everything's the way you want it. And that's just not reality. And that's not the life that's been set before us. And so to me, it is. it really is a message that Paul has for us whether I've had a lot or I've had a little, I know how to be content because basically I have the Lord. And that really is the playbook, so to speak, for what it means to um, pursue the good life, to realize the good life is life in Christ. Mm. And that's cost, that's benefit, that's blessing and pain, but I have Christ. And that is what transcends above all of those. Oh, I love that. Thank you for diving into it. I couldn't remember exactly how you worded it, but I knew I needed you to touch on it. Okay, Elizabeth, tell me if there is one other thing that you haven't said that you want someone who reads this book yeah. to walk away with. What what would it be? I would say that there's always hope. Um, mm. That if you're picking up the book and, and and as a listener and you're reading through it, chances are you're in a season where you're like, okay, I've I've tried a lot of things. And I wanted to write the book for that person who's been carrying something for a long time. I'm not trying to give you shallow spiritual platitudes. But as a person who has seen the other side, I want to be a testimony of hope that there's always hope. No matter how bad it gets, no matter how hard it gets, no matter how long it's been, there's always hope. And our hope is found in Christ. And that's not super sugary, sweet Christianity. That is the truth by which we are saved. Um, And so that's what I would want to leave someone with is that, sis or brother, I don't know what you're going through. But there's hope for your situation. There is another side. Um, You will see uh, the Lord do things in your life that you did not expect. Um, He is faithful. He is good. He is sovereign. He is loving. He is present with you. And He is walking with you as you walk to the other side of your season. Mm, Thank you so much. Okay, Okay. lastly, tell everyone, where can they find you and connect with you? And then how can they get the book? 
Yeah. You can get the book anywhere books are sold. Uh, so Amazon is the easiest place to get it. Um, but Christian book, uh, lifeway.com, you can get it those places too. Um, you can connect with me on my website, elizabethwoodson.net. I have a weekly newsletter I send out. It's a little bit of encouragement to help you make it through your week. And then um, on social media, I'm on all the platforms at Miss Jazzy Liz, M-I-S-S-J-A-Z-Z-Y-L-I-Z. All right. I love it. What's your favorite platform? This is random. Instagram. (laughs) Okay, same. (laughs) You will find me more active there than anywhere else. (laughs) Yeah, same. I'm like, it's just like stories are fun. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just, that was a random little curious <laughs> tidbit I had. Oh, well, thank you so much for coming on today. I really enjoyed this conversation. Thanks for having me. Friends, I hope that you loved this episode of the podcast. If you have been enjoying these episodes, it would be so, so helpful to us if you could go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating and review. This is extremely helpful for new people being able to find the podcast, which allows us to keep producing these episodes that hopefully encourage you and bless you. And I hope that you are truly boldly pursuing where God has called you this week. Until next week, friends. See ya.